Hey, everybody. Happy Saturday. We are back. I am sports mental health empowerment coach and couple marriage and family therapist, Dr. Lauren Pitts. That's my ace boom coom right here. Y'all Good morning, y'all. This is Ronnie Ransom, former student athlete, resident in counseling. How's everybody doing this morning? How you doing, Dr. Pitts? Who's on your name? Huh? You got to change that for next week. You got to put your you got to put your credentials behind your name. I got you. I got you. Can I? Do, I guess I can do that when it uh, sends me the little registration thing, right? You don't even have to do that. All you got to do, like, if you go into your your settings on your computer, and you you can change how your name is displayed, and it'll come up with your credentials all the time, regardless of what you're doing. All right, bet. Well, I you know I ain't got the alphabet soup behind my name yet, but I'm working okay. on it. I'm working on it. I I plan to have at least every. I don't know if there's a. Uh, I don't know if every letter is represented in counseling credentials, but if they are, I'm gonna try and have a certificate just cause. Not that I actually practice that theory or that technique, but I just want it behind my name. I want my my uh, little signature stamp to be so big that it has to be custom ordered, and like. But let me stop. Let me stop, man. It is a beautiful Saturday out here, man. Look, we had our first frost, I think, Wednesday morning. We were under freeze warning. We were under freeze warning here, too. It was funky. I was like, wait, I'm all in Texas. That's crazy that y'all have freeze. That's crazy that y'all get that cold as well. I mean, I mean, I guess there's no reason that Texas shouldn't get that cold, but it's always crazy. that I'm in the South. What do you mean? (laughs) Hello? It's not supposed to be that cold here. Well, fun fact. The uh, Sahara Desert used to be a tropical rainforest 5,000 years ago. So, okay. Things happen. Fun I don't even want to know day. why you know that. Because I'm a firm believer. And see, people say you can know a whole bunch of stuff that's useless. I am against that. I feel like as, as individuals, you cannot know enough about this planet and this world. Like, why wouldn't I want to know a whole bunch of useless facts about this world? <laughs> I'm only here once. I'm only, I'm only really here once, that. allegedly. I think my son has been here before, probably within the last 30 years. <laughs> I, I can't that. prove it at all scientifically, but spiritually, he's been here before. The, yeah. These <laughs> pandemic babies, they've been here before relatively soon. Like they've been here within the last 30 years on planet Earth, somehow, somewhere. <laughs> but let me get off of that rant because. You know, as much as I'm affirming my uh, fun facts of the day and stuff like that, we got a great topic lined up for you all. And hopefully our uh, our special, special guest um, will be joining us. I need us to email him and be like, are you awake? Because <laughs> he's on the West Coast. Yeah, he on the West Coast. So, you know, they kind of, you know, they wake up, they wake up when the sun wakes them up. You know, and I, 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 I admire that because, you know, I get woken up with baby feet in my neck, mm-hmm. face and uh, mm-hmm. chest area. So, you know. I'd rather be woken up by sun and, and some ocean breeze and waves and stuff like that. So, but anyways, we have a great, great topic lined up for you all today. Also, you know, some things that have been going on in the sports world that we definitely gonna cover as well. But mm-hmm. our topic today is affirming the man and woman in sports. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, by participating in a sport, an individual is making a social statement about who they are and how they want others to think of them. Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> An athletic identity is developed through actual acquisition of skills, confidence, and social interaction during sports. It plays a part in a cognitive and social role as well. So we always talk about, you know, affirming, you know, yourself and having a sense of self. But we also know that out of all the hats we wear, our athletic identity for a lot of us 
we cherish, we, we, that is probably the, the biggest identity that we identify within ourselves, you know, and we cherish that and we, and we put a lot of pride and effort into that identity and, and being known as whether it's the football player, basketball player, softball player, whatever the case may be, you know, that is who we are for a majority of our young, our younger years and everything. So what is that really like, you know, what are some things to, you know, help manifest that and help manifest, you know, your athletic identity and things like that in a healthy way? You know, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, talking about how we can do that in a healthy way, because I, I'm a person who has lived through it before. I would feel like I had a very unhealthy athletic identity. And we'll talk about, you know, how to spot the difference in those and, and stuff like that later on. So great topic lined up for you all today. Also, um, as far as some uh, quick, quick HBCU news, uh, Dr. Pitts. Um, so I think I sent you the article, I think Wednesday or Thursday. Yes. Um, and so for those who uh, listened last week, you know, our topic was, you know, uh, pride in sports, you know, the L LGBTQIA plus community in sports and everything. Well, just this past week, um, Hampton's Byron Perkins is the first HBCU player to come out as gay. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm going to just read a, a, a quick little portion of the article. <clears throat> so as Hampton defensive back Byron Perkins made history wins about becoming the first football player at HBCU to come out as gay. Perkins, a redshirt junior from Chicago, made the announcement on his Instagram account story saying that it was time to stop running away. I've decided that I'm going to make a change and stop running away from myself. I'm gay, Perkins wrote. Let it be known that this is not a decision or a choice. Yes, this is who I am. This is who I've been. This is who I'm going to be. First of all, shout out to this young man for being able to have the courage of his conviction and be able to come out and, and, and stand on who he is, his identity yeah. and who he feels most comfortable with himself being. And we talked about this last week, too. And I gave an example, you know, of us having uh, us having a teammate at Virginia State who also, you know, once again, you know, we ain't necessarily have a full blown conversation about, you know, his sexual yeah. orientation, not that we needed to, but, you know, we knew. And we were fine with that. At the end of the day, once again, he was a part of the team. He was family to us. We took care of him. We protected him. He was one of us. What you, who you with and who you decide to sleep with, bro, that's outside of football. That has nothing to do with football. And that has no bearing or impact on who you are as, a, as an athlete or a football player. But we know, unfortunately, a lot of times there are some people who have, you know, those uh, type of mindsets and whatnot. But, you know, shout out to this young man right here and I, and, you know, so far, I haven't heard any negative things coming out about this or any, you know, negative things from his teammates. So, you know, shout out to his teammate, shout out to Hampton University for being supportive and understanding of, you know, him coming out and making this decision. Um, it is their homecoming weekend this weekend. So I'm pretty sure a lot of the alumni and stuff, you know, they see him out on campus after the game, before the game, you know, showering with love and everything. So, hey, you know, once again, who you decide to sleep with and, and love and whatnot should have no bearing or, or any type of uh, decision or influence in your overall identity, you know, mm -hmm. especially your athletic identity. Um, so shout out to that young man. Um, outside of that, I don't think there was any other HBCU news that I'm aware of. Um, other than, oh, what's up? Uh, two things. Go, go ahead. So did you see the 60 Minutes interview with Deion Coach Sanders? On, I, yep, I did not see it. I, I saw some uh, like, like cliff notes from it, but I didn't I didn't it, watch the, the whole the whole um the whole interview, if I'm not mistaken, is on YouTube. It's good. It's really, really, check really, it out. really yeah, good. Yeah. So I mean I, anybody, I did see the uh, YouTube link for it, yeah. Yep. If anybody didn't see 
the 60 Minutes interview with Coach Deion Sanders from Jackson State University that was on last Sunday at six o'clock East Coast time. You need to check that out on YouTube or go to, you know, the website and pull it. But it powerful. Oh, my goodness. So, 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 so powerful. Just His interviews are all interview. There's yeah. another. He did another interview a couple weeks ago on uh, it's a podcast called Earn Your Leisure. It's mm-hmm. a uh, black owned finance podcast. And um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have seen clips stemming from that um, po- uh-huh. uh, interview where he talked about the money games that um, mm-hmm. HBCUs and other uh, FCS schools are subjected to mm-hmm. by um, you know the FBF schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that he talked about also um, that has kind of been you know there's been rumblings that I've seen you know on social media is that um, you know everybody knows that Coach Prime is a made man. You know he doesn't. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that and I and I say this in a respectful way. There's absolutely nothing that HBCU, HBCU can offer him that he mm-hmm. already hasn't had or can offer himself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and we talked about him coming down to Jackson State coaching, you know, obviously mm-hmm. this is not a money thing. This is, mm-hmm. you know, just his love for coaching, being around football yeah. and really yeah. wanting to prove to prove to, you know, his peers that, hey, yes, I know I'm this phenomenal, legendary football player. Mm-hmm. I also want to be seen in that same light as a football coach. So mm-hmm. far, so good. You know, mm-hmm. but one of the things that he's been doing a lot lately and a lot of people, you know, feel some type of way about it is that. Obviously, Coach Prime understands that because of his stature, his identity and stuff like that, he can say things from a level of, you know, not power, but he can say things from a level of comfort that he knows that his job is not ever going to be threatened from an HBCU perspective of, hey, yeah. Coach Prime, you know what, we're going to let you go because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. He knows that's not going to happen. So in his mm-hmm. mind, he feels like he can, you know, speak on things that we know a lot of other HBCU coaches in administration can't and won't speak on because they right. know of you know the political pressure that right. you know, HBCUs you know he touches on. on that in the interview he talks about how he don't mm. do politics and all this other crap look this what it is this what time it is this what it's about and coach prime said it now what <laughs> what so you know I, I think you know I, I'm loving you know the interviews he's been doing and stuff like that and once again you know loving what he's doing at Jackson State. He just had Michael Strahan down there this week. Um, mm. for, he had Good Morning America down there at Jackson State. Nice. So, I mean, they just had, the, uh, and, you know, so, I mean, it's like they got NFL scouts there every week, loving yeah. what he's doing. So, you know, shout yeah. out to Coach Prime and everything. Once yeah. again, if y'all haven't checked out his 60 Minutes interview, like Dr. Pitt said, go check, check it out. Because the man is a great interview, and he drops a lot of yeah. gems, you know, not only about football, but about life, too. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no. Nah. And what you think you said? Yeah, the, the only other thing I was going to say is Ted, um, you know, our, our good friend and, and 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 family member that's on House Talk a lot. Um, Ted, right. He's calling the Howard uh, Howard's homecoming is today and they play Dell State. So he put up go Bisons. I said, uh, no, go Hornets. <laughs> I think Del, I think Dell State is definitely going to um, take to yeah, because I think Dell State is four and two, and Howard is yeah. not four and two. Um, and I said, <laughs> not four and three. Not four. Uh, Dell State is four and two. Howard not four and two. <laughs> um, yeah. I was like, no, 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 no Hornets, and 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 I have a, a vested interest because Coach Rod Milstead is the head football coach at Dell State, and uh, he was a really good friend of of my former husband. Um, he. Craig had a tremendous, tremendous amount of respect for Rod, and they were really good friends for a long time. So I'm wishing 
coach Rod Milstead and the Delaware Hornets. Good luck today against the Howard University Bison. Word. It's horrible to lose on your homecoming, but hey, somebody's got to do it. As speaking I, speaking of luck, um, we're gonna talk about luck with these picks later on because uh, I know somebody who's gonna need some luck. Um, otherwise, uh, Army Green is gonna be their favorite color in a few weeks, but uh, we'll get on that in a few. I ain't gonna name no names though. Whatever, but, uh, Ronnie. Whatever. Did you like my Did you like my song choice I sent you on Monday after the game? Oh, hey, did you tell the people, fans out there of House Talk pregame, ask Dr. Pitts, did she Facetime me last Sunday like she said she would at midnight? I said that I was gonna Facetime him if my <laughs> Cowboys won. We lost, so I didn't Facetime you. I said that I was going to FaceTime him if we won. I didn't say we were going to win. I said, if we won, I hope that we won. And we did not win. What I do appreciate is that there was a valiant effort put forth. And let me tell you what his ignorant behind said. He was like, you know, there's one person in the world of all the Cowboys fans who was glad y'all lost. You know who that is, Dr. Prince? You know who that is? No, Ronnie, who? Your quarterback, Dak Prescott. Whatever. Am I lying? Am I lying? Am I lying? Not entertaining your shenanigans, Ronnie. All I'm saying. All I'm saying. Are we gonna is, do the mental health tip of the week, Ronnie? I have one. Go, go. You go right on ahead. So it's easy. So we know that this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we also know that um, this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So the first thing, the first tip, it's a two-part tip connected to both of those. The first thing that I want to say is. Uh, you know, I want folks to remember that it is imperative to put yourself first. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and therefore we're dedicated to putting yourself and your health ahead of your busy schedule. Self-examine, self-advocate, get screened, and support your own health and well-being. That's tip number one. And then the other thing is if you or someone that you know is looking for help because you are experiencing or someone that you know is experiencing domestic violence, um, please, please, please reach out for help. There's free and confidential help available to you. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. Again, that's 1-800-799-7233. It is 24-7. Um, confidential help is available to you. Um, you know, you do not have to tolerate abuse, neglect, or maltreatment from anybody for any reason. Help is available to you. And we strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to reach out for help if that is what you are going through, whether it be physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional and psychological abuse, financial abuse, you do not have to tolerate being abused. That's all I have. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. And shout out to all the uh, women out there who are survivors of breast cancer um, and all the other cancers as well. Um, yeah. You know, and all the, and, and, you know, shout out to all the people who also have, you know, not, well, not shout out, but we're also, you know, prayers and everything for the families who, have lost a loved one to breast cancer and whatnot, you know, like you said, take care of your health and it runs in your family. Make sure you get your pre-screen. That's another thing. I'm just going to say this real quick. Speaking of that, <clears throat> people, go get a physical at least once a year. Mm -hmm. 
And when you get that physical, do an entire blood panel yes. once a year. At yes. the bare minimum, do your blood work once. Hell, even if you don't get a physical, do your blood work mm-hmm. once a year. Yeah, that's right. Like, if you know you have things like diabetes, high blood pressure, hypertension, mm-hmm. um, gallbladder issues, thyroid issues, mm-hmm. uh, cancer, things Kidney. like that that, that run in All your family, stuff. you know, go get your blood work. You will be surprised. Diabetes runs rampant in my family. Like mm-hmm. I've lost both my, you know, father's uh, parents, both of them uh, lost their lives of diabetes. Mm-hmm. My father has diabetes. Half mm-hmm. his siblings have diabetes. So mm-hmm. it would be safe to say that my risk for diabetes is extremely high. Right. I get my blood work done at least once a year. And one of the main numbers I always check for in for all the diabetics, they know exactly what I'm talking about, your A1C. Yeah. I check that as long as that number don't ever go above six, I know mm-hmm. I'm good. And, you know, I, I make sure every year that I, I I keep that under check because it's so important to know we can we can't leave things up to chance, you know, and I think that's one. And we talk yeah. about that as clinicians. Is it responsible? Yeah. You, you, you have a responsibility to yourself, you know. And your family, know. the people that you profess to love and care about to exactly. take care of yourself. To, to know everything that's going on with you. And don't be and don't run from the news because you know that you haven't been doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Own up to it. There's there's always time to fix things and correct things. Yeah. Obviously, if you had poor health, you know, your entire life and you find yourself in a very terrible position, doesn't mean all hope is lost. It just means that you have to make serious, serious, consistent changes yeah. gradually over time to do something about it. So yeah. go get your blood work done. Go get a physical. Mm-hmm. Like it's if you have if you have health insurance it's most of them you don't even get charged for the physical yeah and you might have a small copay for the blood work but if you don't have insurance i understand that if you don't have insurance but use your local resources there are so many community resources that will offer free blood work um you or just Mm -hmm. you know next to nothing like 10 15 dollars 25 dollars you get your blood a full entire panel sometimes those cost hundreds of dollars to know the little things about your body so make, make sure you go get that done, y'all, because mm-hmm. it's not an excuse. As right. an adult, it's not an excuse to not know about your overall physical health. Right. You know, That's right. so all right, I'm done ranting on that. <clears throat> so like I said, we have a very good topic lined up today. And we're talking about, you know, having, you know, a, a sense of yourself as an af- athlete in your athletic identity. And, you know, I, I led the show with saying that, you know, I myself felt like I had a very unhealthy athletic identity. And, you know, what do you mean by that, Ronnie? Well. What I mean by that, and this is me speaking about me personally, I can't speak for everybody else in their athletic identity, but if you do some of these characteristics and behaviors that I did, you you yourself might be having, you, you might have some unhealthy tendencies regarding your athletic identity. First and foremost, the biggest mistake I made in my life, you looking back on it, was well, not the biggest mistake, but one of the things that I could have done better at was being a football player was my sole identity. Mm-hmm. I didn't identify as anything else outside of a football player. I didn't identify mm-hmm. as a biracial male. I didn't identify as a heterosexual. I didn't identify as mm-hmm. a, uh, a son, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. I was a football player. Mm-hmm. That's all I identified as. And, you know, to, to your point, when we talked about, you know, a lot of athletes, you know, they want to be recognized for who, for their athletic performance, mm-hmm. you know, and it's funny because I played a position where, you know, being recognized was one of the last things we got. But, you know, as far as like, you know, awards and acclaim and stuff like that, 
you know, but as much as I, I, I like the awards, I didn't necessarily care for them. I wanted the acclaim and uh, approval from my teammates and my coaches. I cared more about that than what, you know, maybe, you know, getting all, all conference and all American and stuff like that. Those are cool awards and whatnot, but mm -hmm. you know, I wanted my teammates to also say like, oh yeah, now nah, he a hell of a football player. He a good football player. That's what I cared about the most more than anything. Yeah. Um, and you know, like we talk, we've talked about a lot over the last couple of seasons, you know, about having a, a plan after football and stuff like that and having resources mm -hmm. and things around you for after football. You know, I thought I had a plan for after football. You know, mm -hmm. I, I thought I had a plan, but I had no, I had no plan of action for that plan. You know, mm. I had an I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I had no way of knowing how to use the skills and tools that I learned through football to translate that into the real world and into real life. And mm. it, it took me it took me a while to really figure that out. Um, but you know, when we talk about having a, a, a healthy identity with your your athletic career and stuff like that, you know. <clears throat> Obviously, you know, we wear a lot of hats as individuals and we talk about this all the time, wearing a lot of hats and things like that. And, you know, the most important hat is the hat of self you know, mm. the hat that you identify with who you are as an individual, not your career, not, you know, with your status in society, things like that, but who you are as an individual. Um, and a lot of people don't know who they are. You just took the words right out of my mouth. A lot of people do not know who they are. Mm -hmm. Because and, and I'll and I'll speak from a man's perspective, you know, and mm -hmm. and if our, our if our uh, uh, guest uh, pops up uh, before our show is over with, this is something that he says all the time as well. A lot of men, you know, more times than not, if you ask a man who they are, nine times out of ten, they'll identify with their career. Mm. You know, I'm a lawyer. I'm a judge. I'm a uh, I'm a teacher. I'm a, mm -hmm. a mechanic. I'm an engineer. Like nobody ever says, well, I'm me. And, you know, I didn't ask who you are or what you do for a living. I asked just who you are, mm -hmm. you know, but for us as men, we oftentimes identify with what our careers, because for us, when we look, when we think about how society views us as men, we know that we are judged off what we can provide for others. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can be unfair at times because sometimes when you, when you always compare yourself to what somebody else has, you rob yourself of being able to appreciate what you've done for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, if I sat there and compared my, you know, my career earnings and my success to a neurosurgeon, mm -hmm. I'm going to be, I'm going to be damn near disappointed every time. Like if I compare my career to Myron Roll, who was a famous neurosurgeon, former uh, collegiate athlete, former Rhodes scholar, played mm -hmm. at FSU, played in the NFL for a couple of years, but as a, a, a neurosurgeon, um, phenomenal person. If I compared my career success and who I was compared to him, mm -hmm. I would probably feel like a terrible person because if I compare my accolades and my achievements to his, mm -hmm. it's not even close. But my achievements that I've done in my life for what I've been able to control, I'm happy with. Mm -hmm. I'm satisfied with that. And I was imagine he's satisfied with his too. But mm -hmm. when we get to comparing and things like that, we rob ourselves of the ability to appreciate what we have. And we mm -hmm. see that in athletics a lot too. And we see this with a lot of younger athletes and mm -hmm. social media has kind of perpetuated this as well. A lot of younger Can I pause athletes you for a minute, Ronnie? Because I, I wanna I want to plug on that real quick. I, I actually, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was talking to one of my clients on Thursday mm -hmm. who said something profound. And this is one of my younger clients who's, a, a former scholar athlete who said 
you know, Dr. Pitts, a lot of people don't realize that our generation is so deeply and adversely influenced by social media. It's like, it's scary. Like so many people are trying to measure themselves up to what they see on social media that it really does have a negative impact on our mental health. And I said, I get that, but I guess, and maybe part of it is just my age or what have you, what I, what I struggle with it, where generation, where some of the millennials and the Gen Zs are concerned is this, social media is a big smoke screen. It's a, a big smoke screen that people, many of which, not all, not all, so tell folks, don't go put words in my mouth, many of which are living a lie. They are some of the most inauthentic people to ever walk the face of the earth. And social media allows them, if you will, to hide behind this huge fallacy that is shielding them from being who they really are. And many of them might not even know who they really are because they're so busy projecting this false persona that they got to go. I said, who do you know anywhere on the face of the planet that's happy-go-lucky every single solitary day and every minute of their life? But that's what they're projecting. You know, on, social, you know what social media is? Social media is our mind in, in somewhat of a more physical form. Mm. I didn't want to say subconscious because, you know, social media isn't our subconscious. It could be, I think... I think social media is a combination of our conscious versus subconscious in a sense where, mm. you know, how we, how we see ourselves and our, most people see them. Most people don't like to see themselves with fallacies, mm-hmm. whether you are um, a, a, a bad communicator where you have, whether you have terrible physical health, mm-hmm. most people in their head don't mm-hmm. see themselves with fallacies. Mm-hmm. They always see the best version of themselves in their head. Mm-hmm. Social media is nothing more than people seeing the best version of themselves mm-hmm. played out on a platform that is almost like social media is nothing more than a a consciousness in a sense. We can't, I can't hold Facebook. I can't mm-hmm. touch Facebook. Like, yeah, right. they have a physical building, but the platform itself, I can't touch that, feel it or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But just like in my head, I can think of things that give me feelings and stuff. I might not be able to produce that thought tangibly, like physically, mm-hmm. but I still get the same physical sensations from it. Exactly what social media does. We play we play our conscious mind and subconscious mind out mm-hmm. for everybody to see. That's real. That's real. And it's raw. And, and if more people could sort of wrap themselves around that, and recognize, here's the thing. Um, you've seen the commercial, Ronnie, with uh, Morgan Freeman and Tom Brady, and he's reading a letter that Tom Brady wrote to himself. And yep. he's talking about how you don't want to be the next so-and-so. You want to be the next Tom Brady, you. right? You want to be the next you. You want to mm-hmm. be the best you. And that's what I say to people. It's like comparing yourself to other people to me is egregious, right? It's like, why on earth do you want to be 
somebody else? Why do you, even athletically, right? You don't, you don't need to be the next Tom Brady. You don't need to be the next Aaron Rodgers. You don't need to be the next uh, Michael Irvin. You don't need to be the next whomever. You need to be the first and best you that you can, can be. I want right. to share something with you that I hope my, my husband texted me that Tom Brady was writing that letter to a young man. Um, the Thank you, honey, for correcting me. Um, but here's something powerful, Ronnie, and I, and I share this with my clients sometimes who are dealing with this whole people pleasing and comparing themselves to others. Wisdom is the ability to recognize difference in environments, moments, and people. Your ability to discern the divine difference in everything around you decides your success. The law of difference has never been questioned. Atheists, <clears throat> Hindus, Buddhists, Christians, Protestants, Catholics, Gentiles, no one questions the existence of difference. It is so obvious to all of us, light versus darkness, left versus right, eyes versus ears, hands versus feet, the law of difference is all around you. Difference communicates. Difference is a warning. Difference is a preparation. Difference deserves celebration and recognition. Difference is valuable. The purpose of difference is completion. Nothing made is whole, nothing. Everything is a part. Your eyes require a view. Your ears require sound. Your mind requires thought. Nothing succeeds alone. Your difference is necessary for another's completion. There are seven differences that will decide your success in life. Identify your personal difference. Let me say that again. Identify your personal difference. Identify the difference in a moment. Identify the difference in those around you. Identify the difference in an opportunity. Identify the difference in an environment. Identify the difference in the season that you are entering. Identify the difference in right and wrong. This is all about birthing such an awareness of your uniqueness within you that you are able to embrace it, nurture it, and guard it. Our hope for you is that you will be able to market it so that others can know your distinctive difference from those around you, that your difference can be treasured and ultimately rewarded. Sameness creates comfort. Difference creates your reward. Celebrate, seize, and identify your difference and enjoy great success. And on that, I want to add, nobody's going into the NFL draft, the NBA draft, the MLB draft. I'm like, ooh, I hope that I'm not like so No, you want to go in the right you you want to go in the best round that you possibly can because you want to be the best you mm -hmm. that you can be they're not drafting you because you're the next tom brady they're looking at drafting you because you're the best you mm -hmm. and it's up to you to develop your skill set and to be the best you that you can be right and a big part of that is being able to put your finger on the pulse Mm -hmm. of who you are authentically and affirming that yourself first, like this young man at Hampton did. If 
finally getting to that place in space where he recognized, you know what? If I want to be accepted for who I am authentically, I have to accept me first. That's the essence of true authenticity affirming because we set the standard for how other people treat us. So if you're not self-accepting, why would anybody else accept you? Or if you don't love yourself, how can you expect somebody else to love you? Right. Stop sending your representatives, folks. Stop pretending to be somebody you're not. If you're wounded, say it. If you're fractured, say that. If you have trauma, own it and get help for it. If you recognize that you, you're not, I'm going to give props, don't fall out your chair. If you're not Jalen Hurts and you ain't benching 600, well, what you need to do to be at that mug? He drug my whole line, Ronnie. <laughs> he just drug my whole line into the end zone. Right. I, think he, I think he got like half of Texas uh, state records for weightlifting. It, like he's disrespectful. <laughs> I know, look, my husband is, yeah, I'm going to give credit where, you know, I, I'm real. I give credit where credit just, he drugged my whole line into the end zone. But the brother is benching 600 plus pounds. Strong kid, man. Yeah. Like, you, if you, you have to, you cannot, hear me well, folks, you cannot conquer something that you won't even acknowledge is an area of opportunity for you. You don't have to see it as a weakness. Let's reframe that more holistically and empower yourself. It's an area of opportunity. It's an area for growth. It's an area for improvement. It doesn't have to be a weakness. It's just room for growth and development. Right. And I think, you know, to, to piggyback on your point, in a sense, <clears throat> I think the one thing that I know we do as athletes is, you know, I think it's kind of hard for athletes not to compare themselves to somebody that, you know, has been successful. For example, you know, when we look at like Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, arguably one of the greatest players of all time, no debating that whatsoever. Then we have somebody like Kobe Bryant, who mm -hmm. literally Kobe Bryant was like, you know, I can't be Mike, but I can be close enough as possible yeah, man. And, and make it my own way. And, it, you know, if, and they always show the side by sides and the tapes, you know, like, Kobe literally, you know, mirrored his game off yeah. of Michael Jordan. However, to your point, though, he made it he made it his own identity. Yeah, he took ownership. Mamba mentality, you know, like, right. you know, we look at we look at all the we look at all the great players like we, for example, when I was in um, when I was in high school. Um, when I was playing defense and stuff, I used to look at old film of like Reggie White and Warren Sapp and stuff like that to, you know, mirror, you know, some of their moves and stuff like that. Not because I was trying to, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be the next Warren Sapp, but if I could use the moves that he was using because they were working for him, I knew yeah. they were going to work for me and I could make them work in my, in my own way, you know, so. Learning from the best. Exactly. So, you know, what we're trying to tell you all is, you know, that you can gain inspiration and, and, and insight and, and resources from others, but don't try to be that person because you can't be that person. How yeah. they acquired that knowledge, how they acquired that experience is unique to them individually. Yeah. yeah. How you get your knowledge and how you gain your experience is unique to you individually. 
And so, you know, what are some things that we can, you know, do to kind of help, you know, develop a, a healthy athletic identity? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the first things we can do is creating a healthy life balance. And mm-hmm. one of the ways you can do that, and this is you can, whether you're a professional athlete, collegiate athlete, or a high school athlete, this is something that you can do now and that we should do all the time. Mm-hmm. Identify your top five priorities. Mm-hmm. And look, if sports is a part of that, if sports is a part of your top five priorities, that's mm-hmm. fine. But mm-hmm. don't let it be your sole priority. Like if I were like if I were to ask you to draw make a list of one through five and tell me all your priorities in your life, mm-hmm. sports cannot be the only one on that list. Right. It can be on the list, but it should not be the only thing. You right. know, once again, you can you can have an identity tied into athletics, but it mm-hmm. cannot be your sole identity. So when we talk about your top five priorities, obviously, if you're a high school, collegiate, or professional athlete, yes, your athletic identity is a top priority. Mm-hmm. But also, your if if you're a professional athlete, also your business mm-hmm. ventures and you know your your mm-hmm. um your business side of it. If you're a collegiate athlete, the academic mm-hmm. side of it is the top priority. Your mm-hmm. social life is the top priority. Mm-hmm. Your um your overall mental health and your physical health are top priorities. Yeah. Um, your spiritual health is a top priority. So when we talk about priorities, what are things that you prioritize in your life that are important to you outside of sports? Yes, sports can yeah. be included, but outside of sports, what are some other priorities that you take pride in? Another thing, drop oh, unnecessary. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Wait. Uh, and I'm going to plug as you do each one. So within the context of everything that you just said, I want to make sure that folks understand how important it is, Ronnie, to ask for what they need, right? Mm. Folks are, are we can, you always say it, there's no I in team, right? It takes collaboration. It takes community. It takes a village to help us to achieve more, right? It takes people that are stronger than you, people that are better than you, people who know more than you. There he is. People who know more than you um, to be able to help you to achieve the levels of success that you desire to achieve. So you need to be able to have a level of comfort and being able to ask for what you need as you're setting these goals, because more than likely, you're not going to be able to achieve them all by yourself. You're going to need some help with somebody to add value to you. There he is, sir. We're starting to get worried about you. Good morning. Good morning. We had good morning, good sir. My apologies for the delay. It's all good, man. I was worried. I was like, wait, sir. Ah, we said, yeah, we was, said, uh, we said, we know on the West Coast, y'all wake up with the uh, with the waves and everything. You know, on the East Coast, we got to wake up with alarm clocks and everything, man. Yeah, I, I uh, my apologies. I am uh, I'm dealing with a a, a, a baby that uh, we're trying to make sure it does not have a, a severe illness. So oh man, you're fine. Uh, you know you have yeah. you have our blessing. You are totally all right. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much for the, the patience and uh, and your patience with this process oh, for sure. Yeah, man. Well, shoot, we appreciate you. You know, taking the time out with that. Yeah. We hope everything is okay with um with your child and everything, and hoping for a speedy recovery. Um, yeah. It is a, it's a, it's a, a, a beautiful thing to make sure that, uh, that, that everything is okay. So I appreciate that. Um, no doubt. No doubt. So um, ladies and gentlemen, um, for those who are uh, wondering who we're talking to, um, if you didn't get a chance to catch his powerful, powerful episode, the last time on season two, we have Mr. Sanyika Street here, the fire starter, 
Um, welcome again, man. Thank you for coming back on today, man. Um, so we're uh, in the middle of talking about um, uh, affirming your athletic identity for men and women and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. And some of the things we've kind of talked about and I, I kind of shared um, prior to you coming on is, you know, I felt like I identified having an unhealthy athletic identity. Um, mm -hmm. And part of the, one of the, my, my fallacies in that was because that was my only identity. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we talked about there's one mistake you should not make is having your athletic identity be your sole identity. Um, we mm -hmm. just gave the tip of, you know, you should have five, at least five priorities within your life, whether you're a high school athlete, collegiate athlete, professional athlete, you should have at least five priorities in your life. Can sports be one of those five? Absolutely. Especially if you're a high school, collegiate or professional athlete. Obviously, that is how, you know, you are trying to achieve a lot of other things, because we know not only can sports be rewarding athletically, sports can be rewarding business wise, um, social wise, a whole bunch of sports has many benefits outside of just, you know, being on the athletic field and whatnot. So having five priorities is uh, extremely um, important. So saying you could man, jump right on in, man. Um, what are some tips that you have and what are some things that you've learned along the way from being a former uh, student athlete? Um, that you've learned that can help, you know, people have a healthy sense of affirming their athletic identity? Hmm. You know, I was thinking about the, this topic this week when I got your email, Dr. Pitts, and I was thinking about um, the affirm, what it really means to affirm ourselves in, mm -hmm. um, as, you know, as people. And then I saw this TikTok. And it was a clip of a of a, a brother who was who was breaking down the numbers, um, and he said, "There's a million kids in um, in cities and in suburbs around the the country, the U.S. Mm -hmm. right, competing for thirty four spots on NBA team." Wow! 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 Mm -hmm. Right, so a million kids competing for 34 spots on NBA teams. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, in basketball. And 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 I remember also uh, an NCAA commercial, they said that, um, you know, not, 90, uh, like 95% of the kids who are playing collegiate sports are not going to go pro. Yep. Right. They'll go professional right. or something other than sports. Exactly. I, they used to play that commercial after every, after every commercial break, it seemed like. For sure, right? Because they're going to go professional in something other than sports. Mm -hmm. And so then the question then becomes, as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, what what are you actually competing for? Because then, the, because if you bring that to somebody who's competing, to one who's, mm -hmm. whose dream is to make it to the NBA, the very first thing that they're going to say is, well, I'm going to be the exception to the rule. I'm mm -hmm. going to be the outlier. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to be the one that makes it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, and so I used to think to myself, is that determinism? Is that, is that, is that their determination and their resilience and their willingness to just fight through adversity and just like make whatever it takes to, 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 to get to the next stage and to get to the next level? And it, like, is that, is that really what it is? Or is it because their identity is so entrenched in the idea that the only thing that they can be successful in is sports that they will not choose to find another pathway to becoming a success in other aspects of their life? Hmm. I'm going with the latter. Mm. I'm going to say about 80, 20 to the latter. I would say, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. And so, because here's the thing, right? Because if you went to that same kid, you went to that same kid, it was like, I'm going to be the one that makes it. 
I'm going to be the one that makes it. I'm going to be the one that makes it out. I'm going to be the one that feeds my family. I'm Because that's what he's thinking about. He's thinking about the fact that he's going to make it out. He's thinking about the fact that he's going to be the one that feeds his family, buys his mom a house, you know, doesn't have to live in, in his current living conditions or environment. He's going to be the one that makes it transcends to whatever it is that he says that he wants to do. Like, that's the thing that he's thinking in his head. And then what if you told him, you know, I got a guaranteed, I got a guaranteed opportunity that's going to get you $10 million. And the only thing you got to do is not play the sport that you want to play. Guaranteed. Mm. How old? How old am I? That's well, let me. How old am I? Let's just call you. Let's call. Let's call. You know, what? I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even gonna make you 18. Let's call you. Let's call you 20. 20 ooh, okay, so I done, I done done. A, I done done a couple years. That done a couple years. Ooh, cause right. you. Ooh, I ain't gonna lie to you. I kid you. You think I'm joking? I kid you not. If you'd have asked me 20 year old Ronnie, why well, I left Virginia State so quick? Pew! <laughs> right. We were four and six that we were four and six that season. Right, you start thinking about coaches. You start thinking about the, <laughs> you start thinking about their cleats. But man, I'm, I'm, I'm so tired. Of Maybe I don't cleats. know sports after all. <laughs> right, and I don't even what? know Like, what is what is this ten, sport? I don't ten even know million. Right? Right? Sports? How do you spell that? <laughs> you tell me you got, a, you got a ten million guarantee. Wow, to and not play, to mm-hmm. not play, right? Wow, and then and he's like, well, how would I make that ten million? How would I make that $10 million, right? How would I make it? And 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 then that became that became the the the, the that that conversation in my head. It's like, what if I could actually accomplish every objective that I ever wanted to accomplish? And the only mm. thing I needed to do was to believe that I had the skills to make whatever I wanted to make. Mm-mm-mm. And, and because that, it puts you, I'm it, glad you let, me, let me just offer this real quick, Ronnie, because I think we're, we're talking about the same. It puts you right up against your belief system, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Because then the question becomes, how in the world would I make $10 million? Mm-hmm. Pause for a moment. How in the world would I make $10 million? Mm-hmm. Is that a question about strategy or about belief? Wow. Mm. That's profound. I used to uh, go ahead, Ronnie. I, yeah. Oh, no, I, I mean, shoot. I just used I mean, to if think I had, about. Yeah, please speak. If from I had, that if I had to answer that question, honestly, it would probably be more about belief than strategy. And I think that's because for me, mm-hmm. where I'm at today, still in the healing process. And I know me and you've had a personal conversation outside of outside of uh, the podcast and everything. And I shared that a little bit. You know, like where I'm at today, I'm a lot further than where I was maybe seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. But I know that road is still long. And a lot of that is, you know, when you don't see people around you doing what in your head you feel like you can do, it's like, where do you put, where do you pull that motivation or that determination Mm -hmm. from? Where do you, where do you get that dose of hope from? Mm -hmm. You know, because everybody around you. Can we pause on that? Can we pause on that? You're going to say, because everyone around you, right? Mm -hmm. Is what? Doesn't, to your day, it's a, it's a lack of belief as opposed to lack of strategy and mm-hmm. a lot and a lot I'm, I'm a victim of that too and it's something that i've had to correct for myself is because once again i my my ceiling for myself was always based off my environment around me mm-hmm. you know well it's like i know i can be successful i know i can do a lot but i'm gonna have to figure this out on my own because those around me their ceilings they've already predetermined their ceilings mm-hmm. based off their mm-hmm. external factors and based off their environment for sure. So already my ceiling is being influenced by somebody else's 
environment that I haven't even had a chance to discover my true ceiling. So to your point, when you ask yourself, how can I make $10 million? We know that in reality, there is a strategy to make 10 million. But to your point, not having that belief, that sense of hope for a lot of people, I'm not going to put out a number because that would just be unfair. But for a lot of people, not having that belief in the hope in themselves to do that, you can give them any, you could give them a surefire strategy. You could write them a check for $10 million yeah. and they still wouldn't believe the check is real. They wouldn't That's even exactly cash it because they'd be like, nah, mm, right. ain't no way. Yeah. You know? right. And so, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly believe that, man. That man, yeah. Let me jump on that too, because another thing that, that I want to encourage our viewers to check out if they haven't, um, there's a documentary on Netflix and maybe some have seen it. I just saw it for the first time yesterday on Jamie Foxx's journey to success. And some may know, some not, you know, he's from Texas, born and raised, he's from Terrell, Texas, and he played football. He played football, I believe he was a quarterback um, for his high school team and did phenomenal, was, a, was an, a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. But as many may know, he was adopted by his grandmother. His father ended up being incarcerated, didn't, the documentary didn't say anything about his mother, but he, she was adamant that he was going to be a, a culture diversified individual as was what his father. So he made him play tennis. He made him play football, but like he, he instilled all of these things in him and they encouraged him to your point about people around you and how they can inform how you think and feel and function and navigate life. And one of the things that the documentary stated and as they showed these different interviews to Jamie Foxx did was that he had those two people, his grandmother and his father, who instilled in him the belief that he could do and be anything he wanted. Mm -hmm. So his music, his comedy, his acting ability, his athletic ability, they talked about Django and how he had his own horse and could ride because he was this cultured, diversified individual that was created to be that way. So what that instilled in him was a belief system that he, regardless of what the obstacles were, because he grew up in racist Texas back mm -hmm. in the, you know, in, in the 60s and the 70s, where he, when they, in the footage, it showed where there was still segregation and, you know, having to drink from the, the colored water fountain and go to the colored bathroom. So he grew up in the heart of racist Texas, where he, he dealt with a wealth of adversities, but the two most important people in his life growing up said, despite all this, you can still do and be and have and give and create an experience. And to your point, to both of the points that you made from a clinical perspective, when I think about when I'm working with my clients around getting themselves realigned with their authentic self, one of the things that I point out to them is that it, we want to encourage you to follow your joy. We want to encourage you to, to pursue your goals and your hopes and your aspirations and all of those things. But what ends up happening a lot of the time to both of your point is they're so used to being surrounded by toxicity. They're so used to being surrounded by negativity that they're navigating life always expecting the other shoe to drop. Mm. That, that, that check can't be real. And somebody write me a 10, $10 million check, we go on to jail. You know, we about to go to federal prison because you know they're constantly waiting for something bad to happen. And therein lies you're canceling out by default the law of circulation, the law of attraction, because your thoughts and your feelings determine the vibrational frequency that your mind is functioning on. And you're putting all of this fear 
all of this doubt, all of this disbelief out into the universe. And we live in a universe that operates off reciprocity. Right. You're bringing it right. back. So you never end up achieving the things that you say you want to achieve because in your heart of hearts, you don't even believe it's possible. Mm. Right. right. And so, um, saying so you got, mm. I believe you also are uh, coming on next week as well, right? And the, for the, the 29th, or is it uh, maybe the show after yeah, that? I can't. We're, no, I'm, I'm scheduled for, yeah, for both weekends. We actually have mm. for um, self acceptance and self rejection is next week's yeah. show. It's yeah, all, absolutely. It's, look, folks, it's, it's all the men folks. Dr. Pitts going to be it's all testosterone next week's show. I'm on well, vacation. One of the things that I wanted to, to speak into what you just shared, Dr. Pitts, around um, toxicity. You said toxicity and, and what was the other, the shooter, the other shooter drop was toxicity and? Uh, I think I said chronic negativity. Doubt and disbelief. I said disbelief. Doubt and disbelief, right? So mm -hmm. so doubt and disbelief. So toxicity and, and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. But there's another, I, I think there's another component that, that, that operates at a hum level, mm -hmm. right? So like there, so toxicity is like a spike, right? Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like a spike. It's like this thing that per permeates and pierces the, the sound layer mm -hmm. and it operates up here. And, um, and, but there's, you know, one, of, one of the things I was telling somebody is that if you, have you ever been in an environment where, where they're playing music at the certain decibel level? And then after it's like you walk in there and it feels loud, but then after a while, it feels like a hum. It feels mm -hmm. like a, because all the music is playing at the same decibel level. Mm -hmm. And so even though it's loud music, it almost sounds like silence, right? So it operates it. Yeah, and that 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 hum, that 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 layer is, is mediocrity. Ooh, ooh. So this is the, this is the one, this is the invisible one. This is the mm -hmm. one that you, that most people don't hear because the, like I can see a spike in toxicity. I know mm -hmm. when someone is violent or abusive or doubt, mm -hmm. like directly doubtful or, you know, like that kind mm -hmm. of thing. But the one thing that's hard to see is the mediocrity. Because it's the normal. It's the norm. It's, a, it's yeah. this layer right here. And mm -hmm. then it goes, oh, these are the people that are around me. So when you, when you talked about like the, that the people around you could influence your behavior, mm -hmm. um, there's there's something called the mirror neuron that we use to 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 be able to 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 cohabitate to commute to communist mm -hmm. humans, right? Mm -hmm. We mirror each other's behavior, right? So yeah. it is not a it's not a possibility. It's a guarantee. It is a certainty that the people in your environment you will begin to mirror. That's right. 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 And, so when we and, and especially ahead. as a, uh, one of the things I always tell kids is you know when you see when you see toxicity, chaos, and stuff like that in your childhood. I always tell parents the one thing kids will always resort to when they find themselves in those similar situations as adults is exactly what you did when they were children and you were the adult in the house mm -hmm. and they and they mirror that same exact behavior and yes. so I'm glad you mentioned that now, I didn't mean to cut you off continue on no you are you are spot on they will mirror the parents behavior and we will and we will mirror the behavior of the people in our environment. So the question mm -hmm. is, is if you're trying to strive to, to, to great heights, like for instance, I have the, the environment that I have created to, be, to help me to accelerate to the places I am looking to go is, mm -hmm. is night and day 
compared to 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 where I was seven years ago, five, six, mm-hmm. seven years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so for instance, when I'm talking to people about building my brand, I'm talking to people who have just exited their companies for for you know for eight figure paydays. When I'm mm-hmm. talking to people about who I get to become in terms of the the my own personal evolution, um, I am talking to individuals who have who have gone through you know the lowest of lows and the highest of highs and who have who have achieved um, who are leaders of other individuals. When I'm talking to people about um, about growing my personal brand, my business, when I'm talking about growing myself, I'm talking to people like I have. You talked about the five tips. Always have somebody who is who is ahead of you, who is exactly where it is that you want to be. Period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't be the smartest person in the room. Always. If you don't have somebody, look, uh, Ronnie, real quick. Uh, who was Biggie's mentor? Um, Diddy, I guess. With Diddy. Well, Boom. There you go. Mm-hmm. It took th- it took three seconds for you to identify who helped Biggie get to where he needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. When you think about Whitney Houston, you think about people like, you know, Clive Davis and people like mm-hmm. that that helped her to rock. When you yeah. I, like greatness lead, like there's greatness leaves, greatness creates greatness, right? Mm-hmm. Success leaves clues. There's breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the people the people that are that are successful at the level that you see, they had mentorship, they had guidance, right. they had people monsters that were too. Monsters. Yeah. Not just small fish, monsters. Yeah, yeah. And we were just talking about, we were talking about before you came on, um, I think for younger people, especially like, you know, my age and, and younger, one of the detriments is, you know, social media. And one of the ways I define social media is social media is nothing more than our conscious and subconscious playing out on something that is not even tangible. It's like taking our mind and putting it on a platform for everybody to see. Because like you said, a lot of times we don't see the fallacies within us. We only mm-hmm. see ourselves in a good light. No matter how terrible we are externally, internally, more times than not, we will see ourselves in a positive light. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously if you have depression, something like that, you know, whatever the case may be. But for more, more times than not, most people see themselves without fallacy. So when they look on social media, they have that same mindset. When I look at somebody else and I see that they're only displaying their their good side, their what they feel mm-hmm. is their best representation of them, I mm-hmm. automatically say that's who that person is. Mm-hmm. Without knowing nothing about them, without knowing nothing about their background, their personal story, mm-hmm. what they do behind the scenes when they log off social media, I'm basing everything off of what I see on this post, on this story, on your timeline, whatever the case may be. And now that's my new ceiling. Well, mm-hmm. if I can't do this, then none of this matters. And I see a lot of, and, and I see it in a lot of high school athletes too, because mm-hmm. obviously we know that not only sports is a, about status, but it's also a popularity contest too. That's why we have ranking systems. That's why we have who's the number one player in the country, who's the number one team in the country. Like, mm-hmm. and it's, and we put so much emphasis on it, even though in reality, it is a subjective based thing. It is based mm-hmm. on who just happens to be alive, who just happens to be engaged in this said topic at this said time on this mm-hmm. set of currents. But we value it so much because we, do. we feel like we always have to have a ceiling for how we compare ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and Dr. Piss, you mentioned about comparison earlier too. One of my favorite quotes is, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to touch on both of those again from a clinical context too. Before we if, I continue, if I continue, I, I mentioned earlier, if I compare my life as a student athlete and post-student athlete life, 
to somebody mm-hmm. like Myron Roll, who's a neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the outside looking in, I might be like, well, damn, I'm not doing nothing with my life. Mm-hmm. But that would be that would be so disrespectful and so robbing of the accomplishments I have made because accomplishments are subjective. We try to make so many things objective when in reality they're subjective. Mm-hmm. I, my level of success, how I got there, what it looked like will always be different and unique to me compared to mm-hmm. Dr. Pitts, Sanika, mm-hmm. anybody else. Mm-hmm. I, I want to add to that and I want to circle back. I want to piggyback on what you said, but I want to circle back to when we were talking about the toxicity and the environment, right? For us clinically, that's the systemic piece, recognizing that we don't live in a vacuum. We don't live on a deserted desert island by ourselves. We're a part of these ecosystems, and these ecosystems are the people, places, and things that have the ability to influence and inform how we think, feel, function, and navigate this thing called life. I tell my clients all the time that we all experience these spoken and non-spoken messages that exist from the time we're born throughout our life's journey that inform the narrative scripts that we create. And those narrative scripts, whether they be positive or negative, inform how we think, feel, function, and navigate life. So when you think about your authenticity, when you think about affirming who you really are, when you think about how you're going about setting goals and hopes and dreams and aspirations and what have you, one of the things that you absolutely positively have to do is develop the courage to stand up for yourself, right? As you were speaking, and I, and, I, and people, you know, people that are closest to me know that the, the reasons that you all discussed is exactly why I left home. It's exactly why as a small child, I started saying, that I cannot wait to get away from here. Not mm. because home is not where the heart is. But I, I People, you know, I'm from small town America. Salem, New Jersey, especially when I was a child, was a lot more, a lot more positive a place to be than it is today. Now, it's identified as one of the poorest towns in the entire state of New Jersey. So you know with that level of poverty comes a whole bunch of other issues, but it was my recognition. It was my recognition that within my family system, within my community, if there's got to be more than this in me. Like I, as I look around me every day, my thought, and it's not about narcissism or grandiosity or, or Lauren thinking that she's better than anyone. I believe to the depths of my heart, mind, spirit, and soul that I was deserving of a better quality of life than mm. what I saw going on around me every day. And I stood up for that and I, and I never budged. I never, ever, ever, ever budged. And I carried myself, even in the mistakes that I made, I carried myself, conducted myself, and spoke as someone that believed to the depths of my heart, mind, spirit, and soul that I was created to be royalty. And I never, you know, and people on the outside looking in, oh, she thinks she's better than everybody else. Oh, them pizzas think they this. Oh, they pizzas think they that. And I said, you know what? It wasn't until later on that somebody said to me, you don't have to take ownership of that narrative, Lauren. What they're really saying to you, actually one of my supervisors said this to me, he said, what they're really saying to you is people don't know you. Those people, them haters, those naysayers, they don't really know you. But the moment you walk into the room, your belief system, 
your confidence, your assurance that you believe that you deserve to be in that room illuminates things that other people are not. All I did was say, good morning, Sanyika. I didn't say it all cocky. All I said was, good morning. How's everybody doing today? And you're getting to turn up there. So I want to emphasize how important it is to stand up for who you authentically are. One of the things Ronnie pointed out at the beginning was the scholar athlete from Hampton University that came out this past week and mm. finally acknowledged that he's gay. You know how liberating that is? You know how amazing that is for him to finally acknowledge, you know what? This is who I am. It wasn't a choice, he said. It was, this is just who I am. And on that, one more thing, I'm gonna shut up. I think that people need to learn how to accept their good. We grow up in these toxic environments mm. that tell us that, 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 that folk are real quick to tell you what you're never gonna be. They're real quick to tell you like, sorry behind mama, like sorry behind daddy, your family ain't S and ain't gonna ever be S and all these other things, right? Mm -hmm. And and these, these young scholar athletes become terrified of accepting the good that they were inherently born with because mm. it's it's got trash dumped on it it's got trash dumped on it and let me tell you this and then i'm gonna hush because ronnie gonna y'all gonna wrap it up and he gonna send us home and we can do what we need to do anybody that feels the need to compare themselves to other people and not accept the inherent good that is inside of them is dishonoring themselves and holding a grudge against who they are authentically. And they're making a conscious decision to rob themselves of all of the joy and all of the fulfillment that comes mm. from being authentically who you were purposed, predestined, and born to be. Mm. Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, saying you, we're gonna have you uh, wrap us up with one final point, real quick, and then you know we definitely gonna have you back on next week to uh, continue this conversation along, also with our topic for next week because this is <clears throat> we could talk about this subject for hours. Um, but go ahead and leave us with one final um, tip or gem that you would like to leave with us, and then we're gonna get into these uh, picks real quick. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, again, it's an, it's an honor to be here. Um, again, my apologies for the delay in my arrival. Um, and uh, um, I am, I'm really, really moved by this, this the, the conversation around identity and affirming who you really want to be. A few things real quick is that you asked the, the, what the tips are that I had. Number one, have somebody who's ahead of you. Yeah. Right. Somebody who's ahead of you. Number two, have somebody that you can walk with, an individual that you can walk with, a peer, who's also a representation of where it is that you want to be. I mean, if you can look, if you look at the person next to you and you don't feel that, that person is affirming of where it is that you are looking to be, then you need to, this is an opportunity for you to forcefully find another individual, right, yeah. that you can walk with. Mm -hmm. Number three, not only do you need one individual, you need a community. So there's one person that you can confide in and a community of individuals that are striving towards the same level of excellence, right? And so a college, so a community. Number four is to make sure that you are in the process of actively to giving tutelage, 
mentorship or guidance to somebody who's looking to get where you're looking to go. Like these are all components and in, 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 in it doesn't matter if you're already successful or where you at, where you believe that you really want to be in this moment. This is a really, this is the moment that create that these conversations create the fuel of your own self-belief that will get you to where it is that you really want to go. Somebody who's ahead of you, somebody who walks beside you, a community of other individuals that walk beside you. That's what AAU is. That's what all those, you know, the, the, the invite camps, that's what those, the excellence camps. Um, and then having somebody who's looking to get where you want to go, who you're willing to mentor and to guide on a, you know, on whatever basis feels in alignment for you so that you can see that your work and give yourself the proof. Cause that's essentially what you need is the proof. Mm -hmm. What we need is the proof. And, the, and mm -hmm. you get the proof from the mentor, you get the proof from the tutelage, you get the proof that you can get to where it is that you're looking to go. Amen. Thank you, man. Thank you for that. So Sanyika, as we get ready to wrap up, man, um, so uh, we did something different this season. Um, you know, as, as, as everybody knows, we, we love to represent our uh, HBCUs and everything. And if anybody's familiar with College Game Day that comes on ESPN, you know, they do a multitude of picks each week and they kind of keep a score of, you know, the best record. And then I don't know if they do individually to whoever has the best record at the end of the season. But me and Dr. Pitts have a nice um, friendly wager this season um, where if whichever one of us has the best record at the end of the season, um, which would be me. <clears throat> but um, so Dr. Pitts uh, is preparing to wear an Eagles jersey at the end of the season when she loses this friendly bet. However, our guests during the season, that football season, whichever one of our guests has the best record, we will hook them up with a you know, special little prize and whatnot for participating in our uh, picks of these HBCU games. So um, I know the best record we have from one of our guests, I want to say is five and five. So um, there is a good chance that, you know, you can uh, come at the end of the season and, and set the bar high for the last final weeks because we we'll have a couple more people picking next week as well. So um, so we'll go ahead and get into these picks. So last week, Dr. Pitts was five and five. I was six and four last week. Um, so this week, our first game is uh, North Carolina Central versus South Carolina State. So saying you got go with you first and Dr. Pitts and then I'll make my selection. Um, I think uh, North Carolina Central is, I want to say, five and two. South Carolina State is, uh, I think, like two and five. So kind of a lopsided game. Um, so who you got? I'm going with Central. Central? All right, bet. Oh, Dr. Pitts, who you uh, taking? You said it's Central and who? Um, South Carolina State. I'm going with Central. All right, Central. I'm going with Central as well. All right, our next game, we got Texas Southern versus Alcorn State. Um, I want to say Texas Southern is four and three. Alcorn State is four and three. I think four and three as well. So you can who you got? Uh, Alcorn State. Alcorn State. All right. Dr. Piss, who you got? I'm going with Texas. TSU. All right, I think I'm going to swing with Alcorn as well. I saw the da Dallas Cowboys Cup. I would imagine that there's a there's going to be some Texas. You know, it's funny, though, Sanika, you mentioned about mediocrity earlier, and I just always ask Cowboys fans, no matter how successful or unsuccessful they are in their individual lives, how can they continue to cheer for a team that has been the embodiment of um, mediocrity for since I was three years old? But mm. we don't. We will have a whole separate show for that episode as well. All right, <laughs> next we have um, Shawan versus uh, Bowie. Both teams are four and three coming into this week. What's the first? Bowie versus who? 
Shawan University. Shawan is in Murfreesboro, North Carolina. Both are four and three. Bowie came yeah, off of an yeah. overtime loss last week to Union. Shawan beat Virginia State last week, 43 to 40. So it should be a high scoring game. Got it. Um, I'll go with, you know, I'll go with Bowie. Um, it's hard to come off of a, it's, it's hard to, you know, overtime wins can, 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 can spur some things and it's hard mm-hmm. to, um, to sustain that level of, of high power. So let's do that. I feel you. I think I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Shawan this week to, uh, come off, uh, their high scoring game and, and, and beat Bowie. I just don't like Bowie. It's just you know, <laughs> respectfully, you know, Dr. I'm Pitzel, you Bowie. my haters have arrived. All right, next we got Virginia State versus Elizabeth City. Virginia State is sitting at four and three. Elizabeth City, I want to say, is two and five. Who you got, uh, Sanyika? Elizabeth City. Oh, man. I'm going with State. Which state? They're both state schools. Oh, Virginia. You're so stupid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wrong with you, man. All right, next, um, we have uh, Livingstone versus Shaw. Um, now, I must say, this is a the NFL equivalent of the uh, butt cheek bowl. Um, both teams are one in six. So, um, you know, fighting for not to be in last place with this game. So, you know, there is something to always fight for in the game. So, who y'all got? Who's the last game? So, what are the name of teams? Uh, Livingstone versus uh, Shaw. Livingstone versus Shaw. What was their, uh, what was the last game? Um, living, uh, I know they both lost. Um, I don't know who Livingstone played last week. I want to say Shaw lost to, um, I want to say they lost to Fayetteville State. So, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure who Livingstone played, but both are, um, two and, yeah, two and five, not one and uh, six. They're both two and five. So, um, I'll go with, I'll go with Livingstone. Okay. Livingstone might have the best looking uh, turf field in uh, all the HBCU football as well. They have a baby blue turf field. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take Shaw in this one. Um, I like I like them in this matchup. Livingstone, um, eh, they've been all right. But I think Shaw has been in a lot of close games this year, I think. Um, they just haven't been able to get over the hump. But uh, who you got, Dr. Pitts? Shaw. Shaw? Yeah. All right, next we got Fayetteville State versus Johnson C. Smith. Fayetteville State, I want to say, is three and four. Johnson C. Smith is one and six. Who y'all got? You said Fayetteville is three and four? Yeah, Fayetteville's three and four. Johnson C. Smith is one and six. Let's go Fayetteville. Um, Fayetteville, all right, bet. Um, Dr. Piss, who you got? Fayetteville. Fayetteville, all right. Vietnam for the win. All right, now this is going to be an interesting game. Both teams are five and two. We have Tuskegee versus Lane College. Both teams are five and two. Both teams are still, I think think they're both uh, still competing for a shot at the uh, conference championship at the end of the season. So um, this will definitely be a uh, highly contested game today. Who y'all got? I want Tuskegee. Tuskegee? All right, Mm -hmm. the airmen. I'll go with Lane. Lane, all right. I think I'm a. I think I'm a rock with you, saying I think I'm gonna take Lane too. Lane, Lane has actually surprised. I think they beat. Um, I forgot who they beat a couple weeks ago, but they beat a pretty good school a couple weeks ago. So I was shocked by that. Um, next we got Albany State versus Savannah State. 
Albany State is six and one. Yeah, Albany State is six and one. Savannah State is uh, three and four. I'll go with Albany. Albany. All right. Albany. Albany. I'm taking Albany too. And we got two games left. All right. Now this is another uh, not well. Actually, these last two games are not um, uh, high rating, spectacular games. But we got Winston Salem State versus St. Augustine's College. Uh, who y'all got? Both. But Winston Salem is two and two and five. St. Augs is one and six. I go Winston Salem State. Winston Salem. All right. Who you got, Doctor Pitts? Uh huh. Winston. Winston Salem. Uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna take St. Augs for the upset. It's not much of an upset, but I'm taking for the upset. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and last but not least, we have Bethune Cookman uh, University versus Mississippi Valley State. Both teams are two and five. I'm going with Bethune. You say you going Mississippi? I said Bethune Cookman. Oh my bad. <laughs> my fault. My fault. Yeah, you be trying to cheat me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with BCC. All right, Bethune. I'm a rock with Mississippi. Mississippi. All right, y'all. So the picks are locked in. Check back next week to see how everybody did. Once again, you all, thank you all for joining our conversation today. It was very powerful. Sanyika, thank you, man, for joining in, man. Once again, our prayers are, are for your child and everything. Hope they have a speedy recovery. Hope they're feeling better. And I hope you all stay healthy as well, too. You know, I, I'm, I'm learning as I go how quickly you can get sick when a child is sick. Um, in germs. It's a lot oh. different when you, it's a lot different when you're the kid getting sick. You know, you kind of expect that. But when you're the adult, you don't, yeah, they, these babies, they get sick a lot for, for whatever reason. But man, hoping for a speedy recovery, hoping everybody stays healthy as well. Thank for you sure. all for joining. Be back here next week, same time, same place. Once again, enjoy your weekend. We'll holler at you then. Bye, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>